Hello, hello. How's it going? I know it's been a while since I've sat down and recorded an episode. So I'm recording this on December the 2nd. This episode is coming out on the 3rd, so tomorrow. And the last episode that I put out was on October the 1st. So it's been a good two months of a well-needed and just a required, honestly, a required break. And during this time, I've been not just thinking and reflecting, but also, you know, putting like putting my feet on the ground and getting a lot of the experiences around what I want to be doing when it comes to work and when it comes to the function and the skill set that I want to bring to support people and organizations. And so I'm curious to know if at this stage, how and if your priorities are shifting and changing. And I hope that you're taking the time and also carving out the space to ask yourself these important questions. And whether that's in the evening, you know, sitting down with a cup of tea, writing in your journal, what it is that you are wanting to attract in your life, what problems you want to help solve, what skills you want to refine, or if it's, you know, early in the morning, sitting down and talking yourself through these things. It's important. There's a quote by James Clear that I came across that really intrigued me. And he said, vision is the bottleneck of talent. Most talent is wasted because people do not clearly know what they want. It's not a lack of effort, but a lack of direction. And he goes on to say, there are many capable people in the world, but relatively few that focus on what matters. I thought that was really, really um, important, especially right now. And so, you know, for me, what you can expect out of the podcast definitely moving forward is that there are going to be a lot of changes. You know, I started digging deeper into the field of human capital management. I'm going to give more updates maybe in future episodes around why this area and also my specific draw to it and also what I noticed within myself and important questions that I asked myself to really hone in on on this area of work. So I've been working with some really smart leaders in this space, learning, experimenting, soaking things in. And it has been an absolute game changer when it comes to just getting more clear, getting more clarity around what I want and how I want to impact people and companies. And so you know, I foresee on the podcast a lot more people leaders on here, a lot more leaders that are data driven and a deeper focus on building in the tech, media, creative entrepreneurship space. That's what I've been hearing from y'all, what you guys are interested in, what you want to hear more of. And it's also where my heart's at. So you know, these are the people that I want to talk to. I'm so excited to share these episodes that I've already recorded, episodes that are in queue and will be recorded very soon. I have some really dope conversations lined up as we enter 2021, and I'm so excited to explore that with you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. So for this episode, you're going to hear from Rebecca Mazzara. She is the founder of Kalita Intimates, 
and she spent you know a good chunk of her early career in the technology space in sales and then started up a, an intimates line two years ago and so during this episode we talk a lot about you know how long it really took rebecca to research and launch her business in this space how she was able to really network find people and communities in her industry and then also you know i learned new words like a tech pack and essentially how she put hers together what that process is like and i really love talking with an ottawa based entrepreneur who also you know previously worked at shopify at a really really cool company in the e-commerce space so yes you can expect more conversations like like this one with people that are driven ambitious and then also really intentional with what they're trying to build and create out in the world and so yeah i'm like buckled in <laughs> i hope you are too and you know what just enjoy this episode enjoy the the next few that are in the pipeline and coming and if you want to connect with me, all my contact info details are in the show notes. So don't hesitate to drop me a line. All right, enjoy this episode. You are listening to the Power of Why podcast. Finding that sort of purpose behind the business was, it was obvious what that was going to be, but I didn't realize how important that would be as an entrepreneur to really know what the purpose is behind your business and be truly invested in that. Because at least for me, it's been, you know, I've been launched for a couple of years. There's been so many moments where I've just been so overwhelmed and caught up in that constant um, nonstop uh, work. And we kind of lose that at times, at least I do. And even if it's not, you know, as an entrepreneur in your business, it could be in your, in your day job, it could be, you know, in, in whatever it might be, your relationships, but getting so busy, sometimes you lose that. And because I've, I've had that self-awareness around what my business's goals are and why I'm doing this. And it's, this is a bigger goal that I'm working towards that it was very grounding and, and helps me kind of break out of that lull. Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of the power of why my name is Naomi Hailey. And today I am joined by Rebecca Mazzara. Rebecca, how are you today? Hey, good. How are you doing? I'm super excited to have you here and I'm delighted to hear more about your story and just learn about what you've been up to this past couple months because it's been a while since we've met in person. So yes, <laughs> for the audience, uh, Rebecca is the founder and CEO of Kalita Intimates, a sustainable women's underwear line made and manufactured right here in Canada. And the challenging search for beautiful yet breathable underwear inspired Rebecca to start Kalita Intimates with her passion for women's health as well as sustainable fashion. So this is such a beautiful way to sort of, um, you know, bring your passion for sports also, which is kind of like the origin story around why you wanted to start an underwear line and also focused on like biodegradable, um, materials and it's so soft, incredibly soft. So <laughs> launched in December 2018 and we'll be introducing um, its third style this spring, which it was a couple months ago. And exactly, I, yep. and the, you know, when we connected, you were actually speaking at a Founders Fund event and talking a little bit about your journey in the early stages, what it's been like for you and 
just the way you talk about your story, the way you've talked and were so honest and raw about how challenging it has been, but also very fulfilling and meaningful. I was just excited to have you on. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much. This is so much fun chatting with you. <laughs> yeah, let us know a little bit more about you. Yeah, for sure. So I am from Ottawa, born and raised here, um, went to school here, Ottawa U, studied business and um, spent some time abroad on an exchange in Singapore where I studied um, sort of more technical and, and digital, the digital side of business. But other than that, nothing overly exciting. Uh, during that talk, you'd mentioned, uh, you know, kind of discovering how uh, Kalita came up and it very much started as a young girl when I was um, in, I think it was grade seven or eight, I was very busy and very active. I was running track. For those of you from Ottawa, you might know the Ottawa Lions. <laughs> um, I was running, I was sprinting for them. And um, yeah, it was, you know, I, I wanted, I was looking for sort of like a very breathable uh, garment and uh, there really wasn't anything out there that uh, met my needs. So that's kind of how the business came up. And during that search as a young girl, not being able to find something that I was looking for really sparked that interest and uh, excitement around, you know, starting my own underwear line. Mm -hmm. And so you, as you mentioned, were really active uh, sports-wise as a, as a kid. What was it like finding materials um, at that point, you, you know, this, maybe this idea for starting your business wasn't necessarily in your mind, but what were some of the pain points that led you to where you are today? So, and this is kind of where it gets a little bit personal, um, yeah. but growing up, I, I guess I was a little bit more prone to different infections. And as women, if there are a lot of, uh, I don't know if you're following this is um, mostly female, but you guys could probably relate, you know, these things happen and mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's common and we don't really talk about it, but I, you know, would get the occasional infection and uh, because I was so active and busy and uh, as a young girl, you know, I was a little bit confused as to why that was happening. And my mom, my grandma, my doctor, everyone always said, you know, you should be wearing cotton underwear. Cotton is the best fabric. It's a natural fiber. It's because it's natural. It's the most breathable. And for me, that was like, the obvious choice. Okay, I need to be wearing this and that's going to be healthy for me. And that's going to be, um, you know, that's going to be what I wear from now on. And during that hunt, I could not find anything that was cotton. I shopped at stores like Lacenza and Victoria's Secret, like we all do. And, um, you know, not only was it hard to find information around, you know, healthy fabrics at these stores, but it was just not available at all. And, you know, the few that I did find were your, you know, standard granny panty and that, you know, no one's ever proud to be wearing. So it was, it was challenging as an athlete to try to find something that was healthy for me. Um, and that also, you know, I felt good in and beautiful in and, and confident in. So um, that's kind of what sparked that sort of opportunity in my mind as a young girl. Okay. If by the time I'm out of school, if this problem isn't solved, I'm going to do something about it. So that's, that was the challenge. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, here we are. And so right after school, we actually both went to the Telford School of Management. Exactly, and, yep. <laughs> and you know, when you graduated, you entered into the technology space. Like you studied marketing when you were in university. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how and what you learned working for a really fast growing e-commerce company and you know what your transition was like into, into your business full time? Yeah, so... Um, 
right out of school, after I got back from my exchange, I started as an intern at Shopify uh, on their business development team, which was incredible. I had some really great mentors. Um, this was in 2014, so the company was uh, at a great size where I was able to witness a lot of the, the growth that they experienced and learned so much about everything from technology and e-commerce and how to build uh, a software that made it very user-friendly for all types of entrepreneurs to be able to sell online, but also just about the life of an entrepreneur and the problems they face and what that world is like. So while I worked for a company that was you know, I had the stability and all the incredible perks. I also was able to sort of experience or have that lens into the world of an entrepreneur, which for a lot of people who work there, if they aren't still there, they're probably starting their own thing because it's contagious, you know, um, seeing these success stories and businesses grow and see their dreams come to life um, starting from nothing. Uh, that's that's really exciting. And I, I always knew that, you know, it did take wearing a lot of hats to, to make being an entrepreneur work, as I'm sure you know, um, but it, uh, after, you know, four years there, uh, I, I felt like I had the tools to be able to, to really make something happen. So mm -hmm. that was, that was the transition. Mm -hmm. And were you, had you started, you know, the first couple months before you um, started in your business full time, what was it like, I don't want to use the word balancing, you know, your job <laughs> and then building the startup company. But what did your what did your days look like, you know, going into the office and then also trying to network in the industry, going to conferences, all of that good stuff? Yeah, so there was very much a clear sort of divide um, working at a company like Shopify, at least in the role that I was in. It was very demanding. So I knew, unfortunately, that it was the type of career transition that required me to have to completely let go of one and completely invest in the other. So that's how I did it. I know there's a lot of successful entrepreneurs like Sheena um, with TST who's able yeah. to, to juggle the two and she's done a beautiful job at finding that balance. But because my role involved a lot of travel back when I was there, I, I wasn't in a position where I felt like I could fully invest in Kalita. So it was a little bit of, you know, brewing while I was there, but uh, it involved, you know, a complete clean transition, which I think I'm happy I did because it kind of lit a bit of fire under me yeah. um, to really just invest myself fully in, in uh, the business. So I was able to travel and uh, attend those conferences and fully dive in, which uh, was advice that I got from one of my mentors, you know, having to physically put yourself in the industry that you're in. If it's not here in Ottawa, find an opportunity to, to put yourself there so that you can just soak it all up, um, which is what I did uh, right off the bat. So, mm -hmm. And you've done a yeah. lot of research, obviously, in your space, um, in the clothing, uh, the apparel side. And because mm -hmm. you're conscious and intentional about the fabrics that you're using, I remember uh, during the panel, you talked about how there's a whole, <laughs> there's a whole uh, research angle to this. So can you talk a little bit about what that research phase looked like for you and mm -hmm. who exactly you were reaching out to? What con like, where do you find these conferences and what the beginning stages look like? For sure. Um, so to, to, I guess, give you a lens of what that period looked like, that was roughly a year. So since starting sort of full-time as an entrepreneur uh, until being, you know, sure of my fabric and my design, that stage was about a year's time, which I didn't think it was going to take that long. But unfortunately, you know, it, it's, it's a complicated industry in the sense that it's very much changing. 
but the stages involved, I guess, there's multiple pieces to sort of putting this together. The first was the fabric, which I knew would be the most important part because that involves the women's health side, but also the impact on our planet. So I knew, you know, the spirit behind the business was inspired by healthy garments for women that are conscious for vaginal health and and breathability and, and all that stuff. So I had to understand what that meant. And the reason why cotton, everyone talks about cotton is because it's a natural garment. So it doesn't have synthetic chemicals in it that could be harmful for us. You know, cotton comes from cotton plants, but also um, the breathability side to it. So I love cotton and it's soft and it's great, but I knew that, you know, with so many things coming up and all these cool man-made fibers, maybe there's something else. So I kind of took a step further. Um, like I mentioned, the advice I got about jumping into the industry, um, I signed up for a bunch of newsletters of whatever I could find within sustainable fashion, because the fashion industry is quite large, but if you're looking at sustainable fashion and, and, you know, sort of conscious, um, uh, garments, it's a little bit more niche, which was helpful because it wasn't as much to tackle and found this incredible textile conference in New York called TextWorld. And um, they had an entire warehouse of just sustainable um, fabrics and suppliers, mm-hmm. which was so cool because it was like, I was like a kid in the candy store running through this place. Yeah. Like, this is so much more than I thought was out there. So they were coming from all over the world. And it was just great to be able to touch and feel these these fibers. So not only was I able to learn a lot at the talks and things like that at this conference and learn about how this is the direction the fashion industry is going in, but I was also able to just learn from the the vendors and the, the different people who were at the conference and, and teaching me about their, their fabrics. They knew I was new and I played the, I'm a student card just because yeah. I wanted to soak up as much as possible. Um, but came across this incredible company called Lensing that very much focuses on sustainable fibers and um, met their team, learned about the fabrics, didn't see much in the underwear uh, space, but knew that you know, with a combination of a really beautiful, flattering design and this incredible fabric that is, you know, just, it just came out. It was just sort of started and there's going to be definitely a lot more to come. This is, this is a great match. So that's kind of how I, um, I discovered the fabric that I decided to use. So that was kind of the the fabric side of, of kind of putting everything together and learning also about its impact on the planet. So, you know, we've got what matters to women. Okay. It's breathable, moisture wicking, um, you know, unfavorable for bacteria growth, like all those things that we, we didn't think matter, but really do matter when it comes to these intimate garments, those were covered with the fabric, but then, okay, how does it impact our planet? You know, is that even a realistic expectation to want a, a piece of clothing that isn't is, is biodegradable and it is, which was really cool to learn about as well. So there are certain certifications that are really important to look for and which is why I have them listed on the website, but these certifications are global standards of what would be considered a sustainable garment and how that garment is biodegradable and, and what that looks like. So learning a lot about fast fashion and, and how fashion is a, a big player in you know, pollution, yeah. uh, that was really inspiring to make that an added criteria of what I was looking for in a, in a fabric. And luckily it exists. Um, it took a lot of digging, but it does exist. So 
yeah, that's where we're at. <laughs> There's so much here. I mean, even around the amount of water that it takes to produce like a simple t-shirt, like when you start to look into uh, a lot of these statistics, it's mind blowing. And oh, yeah. the fact that you were able to find a lot of these vendors and find materials that really, you know, signified what it is that you wanted to do with Kalita Intimates is really cool. And yeah, a year of research. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do you think it would take you? Sorry? How long did you think it would take you? I mean, you're always sort of in research phase, but at the beginning, sure. different type. Yeah, I thought, I mean, I thought I could launch in four months, you know, like I didn't really know, but in my mind, I was thinking there's only so many different compositions of fabric that exist. And yeah, I, I really didn't think it was going to take that long, but it was a combination of it being a heavy duty topic, but also something that I was so excited about. So, you know, when you discover something, it's like, you just want to keep learning. It was almost selfishly one of those. So it helps now too that I have that foundation because when I'm producing content for social or when I'm writing blog posts, uh, I really feel like I can be a thought leader in that space. All this knowledge, I can, I can, I can share it with sort of this community that I'm, I'm building around the brand. So that was time very well spent, I'd say. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mentioned in your intro that you launched, um, you know, but the last time that we chatted was in the spring and you had mm -hmm. the pop-up store where you so cool a chance to meet you know customers people who were kind of interested in Kalita intimates um how did the what was your intention with the pop-up store and what came from it like uh, the excitement the energy i can imagine but what did you learn from that experience so i was really excited about the pop-up and i mean coming from an e-commerce background i'm all about selling online keeping as much digital so for me that's that's my sweet spot. But I knew after sort of, let's say six months of sales that with these types of garments, not only they are, not only are they a little bit more pricey, you know, one pair of underwear is $28. Um, so it's a bit of an investment. However, I found that my target market, you know, they are women who are very thoughtful in what they're purchasing and um, they are conscious of the fabrics and the, the garments that they're purchasing. So in a lot of cases, they wanted to touch and feel and stretch and, you know, get that sense because they want something of good quality. That's at the end of the day, a big part of this is we want quality over quantity and we want things that will last us a long time. So I found that it was a very important um, event to have. And if I could, and obviously COVID came in the way, but I'd love to do a pop-up once a month just because there are certain customers that want to see the product. There are certain customers that don't understand until they fully touch it because this is very advanced fabric um, that we don't really see often. So um, that was, that was great because I was able to really uh, walk customers through what they're like, why they're special um, and how you could have underwear that are good for you and for our planet. So that was, that was really interesting. And, and to go to your question about what I've learned, sizing is challenging too, because underwear is a very intimate garment. So my mom actually was like, you should bring a measuring tape just in case, you know, some people, and I always thought everyone knows their size, like, you know, that's not an issue, but when it comes to underwear, like this is a very personal thing and people want to make sure that it fits. Right. So uh, I was able to size people and, and it's, there's a level, there's a connection there when you're helping someone really find something that's going to, 
fit them and work for them and um, have them feeling confident and strong and beautiful in them. So it's really important that sizing is right. So even just for the purpose of sizing, I think having these in-person connections um, from time to time since they're not in any retail stores uh, at the moment is is definitely important. So that was um, another piece that I didn't expect to love so much, but the, the connection there um, definitely played a big part. That's so cool. And then you recently, on August the 4th, you came out with a new classic high-waist bikini. And mm-hmm. can you talk us through, I'm really curious around the process of building or creating a product from like start to, to finish. And yeah, so like for you, sure. this is, it's pretty recent. So it's been about a month since it's been out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, so I guess because creating that initial product, um, there was so much that went into it because, you know, creating something out of nothing can be challenging, especially with underwear, because we're talking quarter of an inch changes. So to create that, those first two styles took about eight samples. So the designer and I, um, we work together. I'm drawing, she's creating the pattern. We're working together to um, produce sort of a tech pack where the manufacturer can then take these puzzle pieces, sew it together and provide us with a sample. That's our first sample. And when I got that first sample, I tell this to my friends because a few of them are starting businesses as well. I saw them and I cried because it was like, this is not <laughs> close to what I had in mind. This is, I, I was like, I didn't want to put them on. <laughs> bad tears <laughs> just because I mean you have your vision and the fabric was weird it didn't have the proper stretch it didn't look the way I thought it would anyways it was the first of eight samples and I obviously didn't think it would take eight samples but we made the changes we hired a fit model which is not your typical model who takes photos and poses and, and models an item it's a model who is a universal size medium and tries on your sample medium and tells you how to make it like a Calvin Klein medium. So trying to match that universal sizing grid, that was really important to incorporate into those iterations. And finally, when we got after the the eighth or ninth uh, version of it, you know, we had changed the fabric around, we had changed, um, you know, we had made some, made some tweaks, not many because, you know, with underwear, it's, it's the tiniest changes, but it makes all the difference when you're trying these things on. Mm-hmm. Um, so because that work was done that first time around, we kind of had like a template that mm-hmm. really worked. So when it came to the two new styles, it was just a matter of figuring out what changes needed to be made from that template to then um, make it fit this new need. And sort of the, the inspiration behind the two new styles, you mentioned the, the classic bikini and the high-waist bikini. Like I said, from the start, the business was kind of Rebecca making Rebecca's perfect underwear. However, because I didn't have that growing up, but I'm realizing that there is, you know, my clientele is, uh, is, is all women and I need to think of all body types and all ages. And a lot of people who are buying were in their 20s and 30s, but at the pop-up and a lot of interest within social and on my website were women's in their were women in their 40s to 60s as well. And they were like, we need more coverage. We need, you know, I've had a baby. I I, I want something that's higher rise. I want more bum coverage, things like that, which, you know, absolutely makes sense. So because of that customer feedback and um, you know, the different surveys I ran with with women of all age groups and body types, 
I wanted to create something perfect for the mom, the curvier woman, the whoever wants just a little bit more coverage, but maintain that beautiful design that's still very flattering. So building off of that first design, I was able to work with the my technical designer to just build off of that and, and add coverage. Those have been you know, very successful. I've been getting really good reviews on the high waist and, and people just love having the options. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not sort of wearing, we're not always in the mood for the same thing. So it's nice to have a bit of variety when it comes to underwear. I don't know if that's just me, but <laughs> oh, yeah. so, um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah, that, uh, luckily it was, you know, I had a really good foundation to be able to build off of that. And people have been very pleased with, with those two new styles. Mm-hmm. This Kalita Intimates and starting it, it wasn't your uh, second business. Do you know what I mean in this space? And a lot of it was you figuring things out. You mentioned the tech pack. I remember when we mm-hmm. talked in March, um, you're like, I didn't even know what a tech pack was. Starting <laughs> up. And Everyone kept saying it like a buzzword. I'm like, I got to Google this. <laughs> <laughs> and what I found the most interesting was how Um, experimental you were so you would call up these vendors you would call different people and just try to gather as much information as possible and I think this resourcefulness is so important Um, so can you talk a little bit more about that side of the business the behind the scenes for someone who doesn't really have experience in that space Mm -hmm. um, what are some really crucial things to that you did at the beginning that made a really big difference I think maybe because of my sales background, I, I am naturally comfortable just cold calling. Um, but one thing I found, it's, it's really important. I mean, if I came across someone who is in this space, who just seemed caring and kind, I, uh, and, and, and I felt comfortable to ask them the dumb questions, the dumb questions, I, I took advantage of that as much as I could. So if it's someone in the industry that I'm meeting up for coffee, any opportunity to sort of, you know, pick their brain and gather as much as I can um, and, and kind of get those questions out of the way. I, I, if the world roles were reversed and I've had some people, you know, curious about e-commerce or curious about things in industries where I was very knowledgeable, I, I never felt like these questions were stupid or, or, you know, I wasn't willing to help because usually you just see an inspiring person excited to learn. So keeping that mindset and try not to um, worry too much about what might sound silly. I just doesn't ask as many questions as I could. And someone once told me, you know, if you're speaking to someone who knows the industry, like take any call as an opportunity to, to learn more. And so on those cold calls, you know, sometimes I think it must've been not a very busy time, but when I was calling a lot of the manufacturers, if they didn't seem busy, I was just, you know, well, what, what exactly does, you know, a Jersey fabric mean? Like what makes it Jersey, you know? And because they're so excited about their industry and that's what they live day to day in, they were excited to answer. And it was cool to hear how it wasn't really a burden. I thought it would be, but it wasn't because it's a, it's a beautiful industry and people who are passionate in that industry love talking about it, luckily. So, um, yeah, I guess key is speaking to people who are just as passionate about that industry as you are, because it won't feel like a chore or a favor if they're educating you a little bit along the way. That's one thing that luckily worked out because 
once I got those, those questions out of the way, I felt so much more confident talking about it and so much more confident making calls and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I would recommend. Mm-hmm. And these calls ended up, you just started piecing things together and you were able to find someone to work with in Montreal, if I'm not mistaken, right? To help yes. You getting, yeah. Exactly. So uh, I had originally gone through a website that sort of matched uh, designers to um, businesses. So let's say you needed a technical pattern made or, um, you know, or a tech pack made or whatever, um, they would match you with, with, with people. And I found that was really great, but you know, who they were connecting me with, they were, they didn't seem as experiences. Maybe I was looking for price was right, but it wasn't, you know, I felt like, you know, I, I could be working with someone maybe closer to me uh, in terms of location and someone who's maybe worked with, you know, underwear just because they could be an expert in this particular domain. So through those cold calls, um, one of the kind um, manufacturers that I was speaking to said, well, you know, we can't, we don't produce underwear, but there's this girl who's, who's well known in this space. Her name is X, Y, and Z, and she, she's based here. So right away, me with my sales Google skills, I just started <laughs> digging her up. And although she was very busy, um, managed to jump on a call. And, and that's who I ended up working with. But it was the word of mouth made it so much, um, so much better because she was not taking on more clients. Um, so she wasn't listed in any website. But, you know, me being willing to kind of work around her schedule and schedule calls at nights and weekends when maybe she wasn't as busy that um, helped us sort of build that relationship. And she's been, she's taught me the most out of, you know, all these calls. We just have these monthly catch-ups where I'm picking her brain. She's kind of like a mentor now, but also my designer. So yeah, these conversations really have really paid off. And uh, sometimes you just need to speak to the right person to get connected to someone who's going to help you out. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That's awesome, Rebecca. I'm so happy Thanks, that yeah. all of these people <laughs> found you, you found them. <laughs> Me too. I feel very fortunate to, to have connected the dots and, and kind of found a really, a really great group of people who, who believe in what I'm doing because, you know, someone who's just trying to, you know, saying you need X amount of inventory and, you know, you got to meet this criteria. Like I, it wouldn't have worked, but you know, someone who, who believes that this product will do well and I can really sell them on the idea, then, then they're bought in. And, and that feels like a partnership versus, you know, having to check a bunch of boxes for a manufacturer that is, is somewhere far and, you know, will never meet me in person. So it's, it's definitely paid off in that way. Right. As you, you know, are well into this business, essentially, what has the e-commerce component, um, how has that experience been like for you? Obviously, having worked for an e-commerce company before you mm-hmm. were in the space, you knew about your industry. And then for you running a business in the online world is literally the only way that we're really doing it right now. How has it been this past couple months for you um, focused exclusively online? And where do you see e-commerce, you know, going and growing in the next couple of years? So it definitely helped um, after that sort of year of research, being able to build a website and launch and get running and ship and um, fulfill and all those things. Having that experience at Shopify definitely helped me hit the ground running on that sense. So launching was a breeze um, and, and really fun for me when it came to, so, so that portion was, uh, luckily, luckily I had sort of the tools to be able to, to do that without too much friction. 
Um, and when it came to, you know, marketing, um, Shopify has great tools to help with that out of the box as well. So I kind of had uh, that insight already going into it. How do, you know, mistakes that maybe entrepreneurs make uh, in the early stages of selling online, I was able to sort of catch those early mm-hmm. um, and, you know, really leverage their resources like the support chat and their blogs and things like that. So I kind of had everything at my fingertips. It was just a matter of doing, which, yeah. which was very helpful. There are certain things that you just have to live through to understand. And as much as we worked so closely with the entrepreneurs when I was at Shopify, there were certain things where I'm like, oh, now I get it. Like now <laughs> I understand um, what they mean when they say this or just, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely different. It's, it's, it's an incredible software and I, I'm very happy to be working, using that software that I was able to, to play around with. Before leaving, I was on the shipping team and we worked negotiating uh, shipping rates with Canada Post and uh, all the different shipping carriers. So, um, you know, I thought I very much understood, understood the shipping space. Um, but now as an entrepreneur, you know, every cent counts when it comes to how much your shipping costs, because that bakes into your margins and things like that. So it's really cool to see everything that they're doing to help support the entrepreneur and save, save me money when it comes to, to those types of things. But um, yeah, so I'm not sure if that answers your question, but in terms of uh, the direction of things, I think I'm very happy that I, I started online. And I think for those businesses that maybe are not online and looking to make the switch, it's, it's, they make it very easy. Um, so definitely something worth considering local delivery and local pickup is, is going to be, is going to be great. Um, it is, is an important piece that I know is, is, is sort of built into the platform currently, but yeah, just, I'd love to be able to kind of find that middle ground between feeling disconnected to my customers but then that like close bond you can create at a pop-up. So like yeah. ways to sort of merge that. I don't know if that exists. Maybe that's something like this over video chat, being able to size them virtually or, or things like that. But um, I'd love to feel a closer connection to the customers. And I don't know if there's a way to do that. Maybe some VR tool will one day be able to do that for there us. There is actually, I, I can send you them. I interviewed this one uh, founder. She's the founder of Covium. And it's like a okay. folk suit company and she does all okay. virtually. Um, I don't know exactly like the technicalities of the tool that she uses, but she's able that to so cool. custom suits like for a professional woman. And uh, yeah, she's able to do it virtually, which is super cool. That also is amazing. Yeah. I would absolutely love that because um, just it's, it's such an intimate garment, you know, whether yeah. it's even for bras, you know, like, that I think is a is a really exciting direction that the fashion space is is going in, and um, yeah, the more we focus on buying really good quality items, it'll make sense to invest in having something custom because it, it will last us a very long time. So I think that's that's a really exciting industry to be in. Very cool. That's awesome, yeah. Rebecca. And uh, <laughs> as you start to um, I know your business is, and the intention behind starting it is very, it was very clear to you uh, well before you even had the business idea. And so how important was it to, you know, being self-aware, understanding who Rebecca is, you know, what your vision is for, for life in general, not just business, but for life. 
how important was that self-awareness piece and being able to build something meaningful from the ground up? Mm -hmm. So for me, I mean, finding that sort of purpose behind the business was, it was obvious what that was going to be, but I didn't realize how important that would be as an entrepreneur to really know what the purpose is behind your business and be truly invested in that. Because at least for me, it's been, you know, I've been launched for a couple of years. There's been so many moments where I've just been so overwhelmed and caught up in that constant, um, nonstop, uh, work. And we kind of lose that at times, at least I do. And even if it's not, you know, as an entrepreneur in your business, it could be in your, in your day job, it could be, you know, in, in whatever it might be, your relationships, but getting so busy, sometimes you lose that. And because I've, I've had that self-awareness around what my business's goals are and, and why I'm doing this. And it's, this is a bigger goal that I'm working towards that it was very grounding and, and helps me kind of break out of that lull or burnout or whatever you want to call it. It is a lot of work running a business and staying grounded um, around what those goals are. Um, but having a very clear vision of, of why you're doing it and, and being truly passionate about that, taking a moment to sort of reflect on that and, and really allow yourself to, you know, push away the noise and, and focus on small steps towards that end goal. That has been very helpful for me. So the awareness around being self-aware, if that makes sense, has been, has been important and, and crucial for me. Mm -hmm. what what did that look like for you was that you sitting down and journaling was it you what kind of questions were you asking yourself to get more clarity around that so I think for me it was more about continuing to educate myself in this space so um, I thought originally that this I'm in this fashion bubble of sustainable fashion and you know this just impacts people who are buying clothes and this just impacts people who are in this space but taking a step back and looking at the big picture, you know, going to the farmer's market, I'm seeing they're talking about their farming, which is like, okay, that's similar to the cotton farming that I've been hearing about. And they're talking about, you know, farm to table and I'm, and I'm hearing the expressions, you know, uh, fashion or farm to fashion. So it's kind of like, I'm realizing I had a few aha moments where I'm like, this is so much bigger. This is not just how, you know, this mindset applies to clothing and fabrics. This mindset applies to what people are eating and how people are living. And so for me, it, you know, constantly educating myself and learning more and more kept that fire going because it made me realize that like, oh boy, I jumped into a space that I did not think would be, would excite me so much. I did not think that this would involve, impact so many people so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this could mean one thing to one person, but another thing to someone else. So for me, you know, what keeps that, what keeps it going is, is constantly educating myself and, and learning about the advancements because it's very empowering to hear others as well working towards the same goal. So if I am feeling that lull or feeling that burnout, searching for others that inspire me that, you know, where we're all working towards the same goal. That also helps me a lot too, because there's so many ways to contribute to our environment or helping our planet and Mm -hmm. helping women's health and helping, you know, even if it's around material science, you know, there's so many ways we can all contribute. So I don't think it'll be something I ever get bored of just because it's 
there's so much to it. I think that's what grounds me is, is knowing that, you know, this is a movement. This is all of us. We're all kind of working towards this. At least we're working towards all of us working towards it. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what's really done it for me. And speaking to people who are just as excited as I am about, yeah, this whole end goal here. And it's so cool to see how, even when you're looking at one industry, how many moving parts there are. And if you're fascinated by an industry or if you're fascinated by, you know, a movement or a particular goal that you want to help advance, there's so many different ways to do it. And being able to match like your skill set and what you love to spend time doing is a really cool approach to spending your days the way that you have been. You have underwear all over your <laughs> all over your home. <laughs> there they are. I just love. launched the, the beige color, so they didn't fit in the boxes that I have up front, so they had to just take over the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> what is the, what is, if you can name like one cool thing that is happening in your industry, in the sustainable fashion space that you are so obsessed with right now, what would that be? So I think the fact that fashion as a whole is is becoming so aware and they're, you know, that forward thinking mindset versus fashion as an art. But that forward thinking mindset is really exciting. Like I, in my mind, when I started this, H&M was like the worst because they were pumping out new stuff every week and they had like 70 seasons of clothing and encouraging this you know, this way of consuming that I didn't believe in. But now I'm seeing them come out with a sustainable line and, and these beautiful maternity lines with all these natural fibers. So I'm seeing advancements, um, which is so exciting. And even one thing that really blew my mind, I was browsing through some red carpet um, event and the gowns that were being highlighted and talked about the most were the ones that were being reworn. So these were like vintage pieces that people were you know, they were embracing the craftsmanship from years ago and bringing it back. And these celebrities who have all this money, they were, they had that forward thinking mindset of why produce more and more when we can showcase, you know, give this beautiful gown another life. So for me, that's so cool because while someone can seem like a competitor or an industry can seem like a competitor, I'm just seeing more and more areas that used to think one way, start to think another way. And that to me is the most exciting because I did not think celebrities, the people on social media that were browsing and hate that we love, they're <laughs> also starting to change their logic. So that, that excites me because that's just more momentum working towards a better way of consuming and, and, um, and spending our money. Yeah. I, more is not better. No. I think, I think there are definitely ways to not only just reduce our consumption, but also just invest in higher quality pieces that we can wear for longer um, and that are good for us. So thanks for, Absolutely. thanks for, you know, making moves in this industry and doing it right from here in Ottawa, <laughs> right from Ottawa. <laughs> and the way Absolutely. Thank you. No, it's been uh, Ottawa as much as it's not your big city with the hustle and bustle. There is some incredible communities here that are so supportive. And I feel like I have all the tools to just keep this going and keep it growing. So um, thank you for your support and for having me. I, I appreciate it. 
This is, yeah. this is fun. <laughs> Absolutely. And for the final question, Rebecca, I changed it a little bit. So I used to ask, what is your why? And after reflecting on the question a little bit more and what I really wanted to focus on the podcast, I thought that it was sort of limited to believe that we as human beings only have one reason that we're here. And the question that I'm now asking is, what are you curious by lately? I would say I am most curious about the future of material science. That is a space that I wish I knew more about. And there's only so much Googling I can do to understand how things are made. But Mm -hmm. I feel like just the two years that I've been doing this, I've seen so much progress in the different types of fabrics available. Allbirds just came out with a composition of their wool that they use in their shoes mixed with, I think it's cotton as well. It's like these beautiful, two beautiful fibers put together to make something Mm -hmm. super cozy or super soft or whatever you're trying to accomplish. So I'm just really excited about what the future brings with man-made fibers. And if I could grow a team, I would grow a material science team to just help me create something really unique. Yeah, that's, that's something that I'm so excited about. And I feel like the next time we talk, Naomi, there's going to be hundreds of new <laughs> fabrics out there just because this is a fast moving <laughs> industry. So it's exciting. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Rebecca, and for sharing a little bit more about your why and how, you know, Kalita Intimate started. So thank you. Thank you to everyone who yeah. time to listen to this week's episode. And if you want to connect with you, Rebecca, what's the best place for them to do that? So you can email me directly, Rebecca at Kalita.ca. That's probably your best bet. Or um, just follow me on Instagram. I'm always posting exciting things. I'll actually be um, visiting the manufacturer in a couple of weeks. So you'll get some live mm-hmm. views of uh, the seamstresses working away and uh, the, the space that is kind of making it all happen. Awesome. We can't wait to see behind the scenes of what it takes <laughs> yeah. to, to build a business in this space. So yeah, all of the links to where you can find Rebecca and connect with myself as well will be in the show notes. And we look forward to you listening to next week's episode. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. You can find the show notes at naomihiley.com. And if you haven't already, subscribe to The Power of Why on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. And I look forward to you listening to next week's episode.